Can the Green Lantern survive the coming of the Dark Stars? Find out in Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, Volume 7, Dark Stars Rising. And then Gwen Stacy seeks to make a new life on an alternate Earth as Spider-Woman in Spider-Gwen, Volume 0, Most Wanted, straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Dark Stars Rising is the final volume of Robert Venditti's run on Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. And it has nine issues. There are a couple of storylines. There's like a prelude and then a main Dark Stars uh, Rising story. The volume begins with uh, the controllers talking about their plan for the new Dark Stars. Unlike the various lanterns, which will latch on to the uh, bearer, and essentially uh, it will give them a ring and they will make themselves a costume, the Dark Stars receive a mantle, which is an entire uniform that uh, comes over their body. The Dark Stars are, are boasting that these new mantles are more uh, indestructible, more lethal, and they have greater tactical ability than the Lanterns. And the controllers have decided they want the new Dark Stars to be completely under their control. You know, which I guess a race known as the controllers, we shouldn't be too shocked if they act like control freaks. Then we go to Tomar 2, the former Green Lantern, uh, who was uh, stripped of his ring in Volume 4 when it was revealed that he killed one of the uh, Yellows, uh, Romot Rue, who was actually a mass murderer. However, the new Zandarian uh, Green Lantern, who's just a kind of a precocious uh, 11-year-old, comes by to visit him every day. And so she talks, and then Hal shows up and tells her that, uh, because Tomar, too, had told her that... Uh, that we get to choose what type of people we are and that heroes are just like everybody else. They face choices every day. Uh, but uh, Tomar, too, you know, when Hal starts to talk to him and he comes to visit him because they had been friends, uh, Tomar, too, says that he's come to conclude that uh, not only was he right uh, to kill uh, Romont Rue, he uh, really questions why the Green Lanterns leave so many killers alive. Meanwhile, the Dark Star mantles uh, have gone to activating before the controllers uh, ordered it, which has them disturbed. And one of the Dark Star mantles, Dark Star 1, shows up and offers itself to Tomar 2, who accepts it and is able to escape from the Green Lantern's prison, uh, teleported away. The Dark Stars begin getting a lot of recruits and begin dispensing a lot of lethal justice. 
Uh, and that uh, causes the Green Lanterns to decide that they need to go after the Dark Stars to address them because of how they are uh, taking the law into their own hands. They try to attack the Dark Stars. However, uh, Tomar 2 actually takes Hal inside their headquarters and shows him how many uh, Dark Stars they have. And they easily outnumber the Green Lanterns. When confronted with the sheer numbers, John Stewart ends up backing down, but not because he's giving up. Uh, even though Tomar 2 warns them that if the Green Lanterns come after the Dark Stars again, uh, there will be uh, consequences and uh, they will not survive the encounter. John realizes the Green Lanterns, particularly with some of the events that have depleted their numbers, need help. And so he sends out Hal, Guy, Kyle, and himself to find help from the Green Lantern's allies and even a few of their enemies. And John takes on the most challenging task of all, going to try and convince General Zod to uh, lend the Green Lantern's uh, hand. And he's able to persuade him to come along, uh, essentially because of the fact that Tomar 2 is leading the uh, Dark Stars and that Tomar 2's father, Tomar Ray, was the Green Lantern who was assigned to Krypton. And uh, Zod blames uh, Tomar uh, Ray for Krypton exploding because apparently if you have a power ring, you should be able to stop a planet from blowing up. Nevertheless, uh, whether it's logical or not, John is able to use that to get uh, uh, Zod to come along. Kyle gets some help from uh, the uh, space cabbie to go and uh, see uh, Orion of the New Gods to get his help and hopefully to get more help from uh, New Genesis. Although there's a mixed result on that. How goes to get Hector Hammond, a supervillain with an enormous head and also enormous mental powers. Uh, he brings uh, him along. And then Guy goes for Archeo. Um Archeo was a uh, Yellow Lantern, part of the Sinestro Corps. And back during the time when the Greens and the Yellows were trying to work together, Guy was able to form a partnership with Arkila, which was really weird because they were the two biggest, roughest, uh, difficult-to-get-along people in either core. Uh, but it was a partnership that showed the potential strength of the core of this United Corps, even though it ended up falling apart. But they still stayed friends because they were comrades in arms, and it's really nice to see them back together. Um, one of the Dark Stars does actually come to recruit Guy Gardner. And he says yes, even in while he's in the midst of trying to recruit Arkilo to fight the Dark Stars, which is a little confusing. As we learn that Guy was only saying yes so he could have an understanding of how the Dark Stars operated. It's like Red Lantern or Dark Star, just any sort of uh, rogue uh, 
uh, hardware, you know, Guy Gardner will just try it out and hope things turn out for the best. And guys, anger actually leads him to fly all the way to Baltimore with the idea of executing justice by killing his abusive father, who is portrayed in the story as it is in a program, has turned his life around, and is sorry for what has happened. And it falls to Arkilo to actually save the day and to prevent Guy from carrying out the impulse that he's been led to by the Dark Star Mantle. And of course, this entire process is just building, you know, scene after scene. You have these essentially four stories operating, plus you also get a sense of what the Dark Stars are doing. You've got this all going on at the same time, and it all leads up to a big uh, battle finale. And I I won't reveal the the ending or how it goes, but I think everything is set up really beautifully. And it works great as a story in its own right, you know, it but it really helps if you understand everything that's gone before. It's a perfect coda, I think, to Vendetti's run on Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, which I thought was a really good run. Uh, I think the only fault with that run is that there seemed to be an effort to push things back towards a certain uh, previous status quo, uh, even if you couldn't find the dramatic justification for it. Uh, Though those changes may have been editorially mandated or may have been things he wanted to do, but it does set the stage for a lot of future stories to come. And there are so much in here that was enjoyable. I just, uh, I was pleased to read the whole series. And I think that this, as I said, is a very fitting conclusion. So I'll give Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps Volume 7 Dark Star Rising a rating of classy. Well, now we move on to Spider-Gwen, Volume 0, Most Wanted. And this was a book Andrea was really keen for me to get to the library so she could uh, read after we saw Into the Spider-Verse. Now, the book Spider-Gwen is actually set in an alternate universe to the main Marvel Universe, also known as the 616 uh, Marvel Universe. And in that universe, Gwen Stacy became uh, Spider-Woman. She's called Spider-Gwen on the cover, just so that uh, we don't confuse her with the uh, Spider-Woman in the main Marvel Universe. The book collects uh, Edge of the Spider-Verse number two and and Spider-Gwen one through five. We'll be talking about Edge of the Spider-Verse in another episode. But essentially, the purpose of issues in that book was to introduce the concept of the hero uh, and to uh, essentially set them up for uh, their entry into the Spider-Verse if they were going to survive that far. And so this one introduces Gwen Stacy. Uh, We find out in the course of this that she's Spider-Woman, that she's part of a band called the Mary Janes with uh, Glory Grant uh, and... uh, and Betty Brant and Mary Jane Watson, of course. Uh, Mary Jane's got a bit of an attitude and is furious about uh, Gwen missing some band practices, and so Gwen ends up quitting the band. 
We also learn in this universe that Spider-Woman is blamed for Peter's death after Peter had been trying to get superpowers of his own and turned into a monster with J. Jonah Jameson leading a public uh, outcry against Spider-Woman. Uh, and uh, Captain Stacy has been charged with finding Spider-Woman. But at the end of the book, after uh, quite a while of, you know, dodging and after saving uh, his life, uh, Gwen reveals her identity to her father. And that's where she gets sucked into the Spider-Verse story. And it's a good story, uh, nice introduction, but it is a bit rushed. Uh, essentially, they're trying to combine the origin story and also uh, a little bit as to the type of hero that she's become in the course of a single comic. And I think that's always difficult, but it's an intriguing concept which does set up the first five issues of Spider-Gwen after she returned from the... Uh, from the Spider-Verse event. Uh, and as the book opens, Vulture's been terrorizing the cities. And she's back, but she's also been gone a while and is hungry. And uh, she locates a cash register that had been stolen in a robbery and returns it to the store owner, who insists there were a lot, was a lot more cash in there than there actually was. And uh, she was just, just wondering, is there reward money? And the store owner gives this great reply. You met Spider-Woman. It was an adventure. Action is your reward. I see what you did there, comic. That was, that was actually a pretty clever uh, callback. She finds out that Jameson has been linking her to the Vulture robberies after the Vulture's been terrorizing the cities. Uh, and so she sets out to deal with uh, the vulture. And uh, uh, the way that she actually does it is using a lot of spray paint and graffiti to just egg the vulture into attacking her. And this does not actually work uh, out all too well for her as uh, she ends up taking a fall. Meanwhile, we find out that uh, with uh, Captain Stacy a little less sure that Spider-Woman is a bad guy and, uh, argue, and arguing that his life was saved, it has been taken uh, off the lead of the task force charged with uh, finding her. And we find that in charge is Frank Castle. And in this universe, Frank Castle is not the Punisher because his wife and children are perfectly alive. Uh, Gwen, uh, after her fight with the Vulture, does take a fall and ends up seeing Spider-Ham and having a conversation with him, mostly from Spider-Ham, indicating that she's perhaps got a little bit of a uh, concussion. And uh, he insists that she may be doing the right thing, but that she's doing it for the wrong reason. And she actually goes home to talk to her dad. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you also have the fact that Vulture finds himself in a bit of trouble because uh, Kingpin is in prison and Matt Murdock, who is Kingpin's lawyer, is running his affairs and the Kingpin is not too happy 
uh, with him t- uh, attacking S- uh, Spider-Woman, as killing Spider-Woman is something that the Kingpin wants to be in charge of, so the Vulture is at risk of denying uh, the Kingpin vengeance. And so uh, the Vulture decides to go after Captain Stacy uh, in order to find out what his tie to Spider-Woman is. However, uh, when he goes after Captain Stacy, he finds himself attacked by Spider-Woman. And this time she does win the rematch in a pretty uh, good fight scene where she also has to deal with the police coming after her. And uh, their next door neighbors, the Parkers, end up taking in her dad. Uh, the next issue actually opens with her confronting uh, some graffiti artist who uh, chose to uh, use their art. One of them is Hobie Brown, uh, and they are actually spraying on a very high building, and so she has to rescue them, them and gives uh, them a lecture about how this is illegal. And they say, wait a second, didn't you... Uh, do all that graffiti against the vulture. She doesn't really have an answer for that, but she just does tell them that they're lucky and they're getting a break, which they are because without her there, uh, they easily could have ended up dead. At any rate, the Parkers are taking care of her dad and they just do know how to deal with folks who have been uh, broken and dealing with tough stuff. Uh, you know, with their experience with Peter. And and Gwen actually does end up having a conversation with Aunt May. It's a bit awkward because she's been avoiding uh, Aunt May. And Aunt May talks about what happened. And essentially the grief and the level of anger she was feeling uh, when Jameson told uh, people that Spider-Woman was responsible, it gave her the opportunity to blame someone. But after thinking about it, she's not quite so sure that Spider-Woman is uh, bad and thinks she's actually trying to help and reveals that Peter had actually admired Spider-Woman and what she had uh, been doing. And there's also a good scene where she ends up returning to the Mary Janes. Uh, with Glory Grant bringing her back because uh, their sound is not the same without her as the drummer. And there's a nice scene where uh, she, uh, uh, where Glory invites her back and Gwen has some hesitance, but Glory says that as much as we need you, you need us more. And it's an interesting idea. You know, when you're dealing with this uh, superhero world, you really do need things outside of that world, people outside of that world, to connect for some normal, basic uh, humanity. And whether this is going to work out long-term, I do think Glory's right that this is something that uh, she needs. Uh, and the Mary Janes end up getting uh, back together and all ready to go just in time to get to act as an opening act for uh, Felicia Hardy as the Black Cat. And there's some hesitance on doing this, given that she's not viewed as particularly talented or as at all a good mu- uh, musician, but they need the opportunity. Uh, and so they agree to uh, go ahead and do this, and they act as the warm-up act. And then, uh, while they are uh, 
standing backstage once Felicia's taken the stage. Ninjas attack under the leadership of Matt uh, uh, Murdoch. And Spider-Woman intervenes to uh, rescue Black Cat, though she does end up punching her out uh, in order to uh, keep uh, Murdoch back, given that Black Cat is determined to bring about a confrontation. And uh, Murdoch advises that she doesn't know what's going on and is acting really menacing and creepy in this as this alternate universe version of Matt Murdoch. And meanwhile, Captain Stacy uh, meets with Captain DeWolf, who affirms that she'll be there for Captain Stacy and whatever's going on. But we're left with a lot of questions and a lot more questions than answers at the end. So in some ways, when I first read it, I was kind of like, is this it? Is this where we get after six issues of continuity? I would have liked the story to uh, come to a more definitive end after that many issues. Um, and it was one of my things, like with the first Miss Marvel book uh, featuring Kamala Khan, while I haven't read beyond that first volume, is I was really just not satisfied with... Uh, where it went. Uh, with Spider-Gwen, I'm willing to cut it some slack here. It was coming up against, I think, the Secret Wars uh, whole uh, debacle event. And so all the Marvel books were ending and restarting. So you do the best you can. I do like the book. Uh, I think that uh, Gwen is a really likable character. Uh, she is just... Uh, trying to do the right thing and also trying to figure out what that is. Unlike Peter in the original uh, Spider-Man, she's got quite a few friends and relationships and things going on, and she has to figure out how to balance that. And I think that's a well-portrayed challenge. There's a lot going on that's interesting, even though we don't get a full picture of what's uh, happening in these first five issues, what we do get is pretty intriguing. In addition to that, the art is also pretty good. It's very stylized, but it's not stylized in a way that looks ugly. It's stylized in a way that makes it look distinct and different from the main Marvel Universe. There are a lot of scenes with darkness and shadows and some interesting colors, but it's never garish. It's well done. It's got some stuff that is actually really nice to look at. And I think as a book, it works rather well. So I will gladly give uh, Spider-Gwen Volume Zero Most Wanted a rating of Classy. And also, uh, this is a double Classy because we also gave Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps Volume 7 Dark Stars Rising a rating of classy. All right, well, that will do it for now. If you do have a comment, email to me, classycomicsguy at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at classycomicsguy. And uh, be sure and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>